just hit you boys with the Rogers Drake. Came up with the pack, I done well with the pack. Aaron Rodgers in the trap, I got 12 on my back. Got me rolling out the pocket, Batiara blocking. Throw it past the tie-in, simple man science. Uh, pack em up, I know Preston Smith gon' tackle em I know Zary Smith gon' back em up And you know Darnell and Savage, bro Got Mason Crabs, but the kick is good Green and yellow, we stickin' to it Super Bowl goals, shootin' for the stars Man, the trigger pull Uh-huh, you know what it be's Cheese hit, Alicia Keys I'm goin' Swiss cheese, big G's Ballin' hard like Big Meech, Big League Yes, 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 y'all knew I was coming in there with that new green and yellow today You knew I was no question, no doubt about it, man Thank you, Wayne, we needed that Yes, indeed, had to start the show off right, man Welcome to episode 125 of Electrified I'm your host, Eric Lyons It's Saturday, ladies and gentlemen I'm feeling good I hope you all had a great week I hope, you know, you're, you're happy on this Saturday I hope you're healthy hope everybody's doing good I hope everybody's having nothing but positive energy uh, tomorrow is Sunday. Tomorrow is Championship Sunday in the NFL, so I'm getting you guys ready for that. But saving that for the end. Sorry to tell you, my picks and breaking down the games that will be at the end of the show. So if you wanna, if you wanted, if you were coming here to hear that first, you can skip to the end and then come back because we're gonna be talking about some good stuff today. Uh, we're gonna be getting into some good topics today. So, but just wanted to let you know I will be breaking down the games. At the end of the show, that'll be the last segment. But before we get there, uh, we got the Conor McGregor fight tonight. Stephen Fulton Jr. Uh, boxes on Showtime tonight, so we got some combat sports going on tonight. And we'll be talking boxing in the show today. A couple of things I wanted to uh, talk about, but. Off the show, we're going to talk about the the coaching hirings, the hirings, <laughs> and the NFL. We're going to, you know, we got to get through that. Talk about the lack of diversity, of course. Then we'll talk about the Mets firing their new GM for being a nasty perv. <laughs> got it. We got to talk about that because I think the backlash that came from that was just so interesting to see on Twitter. So we're going to talk about that. Of course, I told you boxing news, and I'm going to wrap up with Championship Sunday. So let's get right into it. You know, last was it last week, maybe the week before. I think it was the first episode of the year. I'd glossed over this uh before all the hiring started. This is uh when this was after Black Monday, right. That was the first show after Black Monday. So and, and I, I didn't want to talk about it like that. Didn't really want to touch on the Anthony Lynn situation in detail. I felt like I had covered all of this multiple times last year. And then, uh, you know, what episode, I forgot what, you know, episode, I forgot what number it was. It was 1986 when I talked about the black coaches and everything. I thought that I hit, it just felt like it was nothing else for me to say about it. But now... I have to. I, I now that the hirings have begun, have uh have been happening. Now it's time to have that conversation once again for what feels like the hundredth time. So, there's only one head coaching job left, and that's the Houston Texans job. All of the other jobs, head coaching jobs that were open, have been filled. So let's start off. Start off with some of the good hires. Let's start off with uh, Robert Saylor 
Robert Sutton, I'm sorry, I really don't know how to pronounce that man's last name. That's bad. But we all know him as the former San Francisco defensive coordinator. Um, I love it. It's a minor a minority hire. And I feel like he's very qualified to lead a team. And the Jets made a great choice of hiring him. He did great things with that defense in San Francisco. And he brought along Matt LaFleur's younger brother uh, to become the offensive coordinator coordinator for the Jets. And I also love that as well. Uh, you know, keeping it, keeping it uh, San Francisco ties and a guy that you're already familiar with. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Once again, it was a minority hire. I believe he's the he's what is he? he's Muslim, for I think he's yeah he's yeah he is Muslim, and deeper than that, let me see something, cause I I knew this not knew this but I read up on this earlier this week, what his background was, cause I thought it was very interesting. I was like why cause I, cause you know looking at him of course I would have known. Let's see. Uh, give me a minute. He's from born in Lebanese, right? Lebanese descent. He's of Lebanese descent. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I was great, great job hiring him. He's you know, lots of experience in the NFL. You know, defensive, de- defensive mind. So it, this Jets defense, you know, they're going to get a, a, an amping, an amping. They're going to get amped up. I'm happy to. I'm going to be happy to see what he does with that team. And uh. How he does as a head coach I'm excited to see that I thought you know Last year he would have been a, a great candidate And this year as well So I'm happy to see him land somewhere uh, Another hire that I, I really liked Was the Arthur Smith hire in uh, Atlanta uh, Arthur Smith Former uh, Titans offensive coordinator You know that's a great hire He's a big you know nice offensive background And it makes sense He took that Titans offense with Ryan Tannehill And Derrick Henry And you know he made great things happen for them so I'm, I was definitely it definitely made sense. That was one of those hires that de- made sense to me and to a lot of people. So I was not mad at that at all. Congratulations to Arthur Smith for becoming the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's where things start to get a little frizzy. The Jaguars, they hired Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer has no NFL heads, no NFL experience whatsoever. He spent the last couple of years coach. uh Excuse me, not a coaching. The last couple of years on the Fox desk. Now, granted, Urban Meyer, great college coach. But this is a different ball game. Literally and figuratively. You're not dealing with young men or kids. These are grown men. It's going to be a little harder to get them to buy into what you're selling. They getting they're getting paid millions up here. The competition is different. The job itself is very different. You've coached at the highest stage, have been very successful at the highest stage of collegiate football, but this is the big leagues, baby. Out of coaching for a couple of years. You know, it was like the John Gruden hire last uh not last year, but the, when the Raiders hired Gruden, didn't get that. They haven't been successful since the hire. Broke the bank for him, didn't understand that. So this is this is similar to that. Just hiring a name. 
a big name. That's it. He was an analyst. I do not see anything good coming out of this marriage between Urban Meyer and the Jaguars. I don't. I don't. Didn't understand that hire at all. I didn't get it. I was so confused, bro. I'm like, why? For what? What What do they know that I don't know? We'll see. We'll see. Um, The Eagles. They hired Nick Serrani, former Colts offensive coordinator. What the hell has the Colts offense done in the last three years to make Philly say, damn, let's get him? No, seriously, like, what have they done? What, what, have they had success? Real success? Not really. Mind-blowing numbers? Not really. Crazy pass attack, crazy run game, man? Not really. What have they done that was like, you know what? Let's bring him here. Now, I know offense in that same division run by another person. Their offense has been humming. Not even humming, just transcendent, just killing the league. But I guess they didn't see that. Guess that resume got glossed over. I guess that interview didn't go well. Now the most confused No, 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 this this wasn't the most confusing This is the weirdest one Dan Campbell, really? Detroit, really? Did anybody see or hear that weird ass Extra press conference he gave yesterday? Like, really? That's what y'all wanted? Former player Not really any experience coaching He's interim he was an interim head coach for the Dolphins in 2015, but outside of that, he not really called. Not a play caller, nothing. He just looks, looks like a, a a wrestler, a motivational speaker. Sorry, if I wanted a motivational speaker, I would have watched a TED talk, not hired him as my coach. But hey, more power to you. I can't wait to see you two times a year. I guess Matt Patricia, you know, hey, Matt Patricia couldn't cut it, so he ran back to Daddy Bill. Now you guys got Dan Campbell. Oh, we're gonna talk about that too. About the uh about Matt Patricia running back to Daddy Bill. But I think the most confusing one of all was the Chargers hire. The Chargers. And the AFC West. Begin smoked by the Chiefs. They know. Eric Bieniemy's body. They know his work. They know what he does over there. They see it up close and personal. They don't hire him. They hire Brandon Staley, former Rams defensive coordinator. This guy has three years of NFL experience, only three, including one year as a defensive coordinator in L.A. That was this past season. Now, the Rams defense was great. They had a good season outside of what happened to them last week in Green Bay. But that's a talented group. You got a generational talent and Aaron Donald on your line. You got Jalen Ramsey, best cornerback in the league, in the secondary. That Rams defense is pretty solid with their players. 
Now, this isn't a theory or, you know, me gambling on this, but if the whoever replaces Staley as the defensive coordinator in L.A., if this Rams defense can replicate what they did this season, then I'm not giving Staley all of that credit. I'm giving the team credit because those players, they play very well. I'm not looking at Brandon Staley the way that I looked at Robert Staley in comparison to what he did in San Francisco. Three years of NFL experience. Outside of that, he was in college. And he wasn't head coach. And he wasn't a, a coordinator. It, it, I just don't get it. I did the same thing last year. Remember when I was reading? Like, I, I look at these guys and their requirements. Not their requirements. I look at these guys, their track records and their resumes. And I just ask myself, well, what the hell is the requirements? What the hell are the requirements? You know, when you fill out a job lab application, there are requirements. There are a certain amount of experience that you need. I don't think I'm getting, I don't, I'm not getting jobs, certain jobs, if I don't have the experience. What if I wanted to be a construction worker or a forklift driver? I'm not forklift certified. I don't have certain companies. If you want to be a forklift driver there, you have to have two, one to two, maybe two to three years of forklift experience. I'm not forklift certified. No forklift experience at all but they hired me anyway i want to be a chef only thing i know how to cook oodles and noodles <laughs> that's a lot by the way this type of thing eric eric can cook eric can cook don't don't get it twisted but i can only cook oodles and noodles the restaurant like yo you gotta have five years of uh cook experience or and whatever else the requirement may be, but they hire me anyway. That's what a lot of that's what's happening right now. That's what I'm watching: inexperienced guys getting jobs. Now, you can look at the pay gap between men. And women in the corporate world You look at the opportunities That Younger White males are afforded Compared to Maybe their white counterparts Black black counterparts or, or women in general Who may be a little older than them some of these guys are coming in hot shots, getting a getting senior VP jobs and certain like we, we you guys just follow me here. So that happens in the real world. It's also happening in the world of in the NFL and the world of football. We're we're watching, not necessarily young, but young in terms young in the in in the landscape of coaching. I think you know thirty eight years old is young. But no experience though And they're getting jobs Over guys like Eric Eric Bieniemy. They're getting jobs I don't understand that I don't understand that Eric Bieniemy, Well spoken Great guy I've Nobody Anybody that's played with him Worked with him They have nothing but great things to say About Eric Bieniemy. You cannot convince me that Eric Bieniemy didn't interview well. I don't want to hear that. 
don't want to hear that. I do not. What did these other coaches say or do? The Eric Benamy didn't. I really just don't think that anybody else's resume. Outside, once again, Robert Saylor, minority hire, I love him. Arthur Smith, I like that hire. But we're looking at the Jags, the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Lions. I'm not understanding. I'm not getting it. It's not registering to me. It's not clicking. I don't get it. These, I say, I said I had to say this last year. These average white coaches are handed the keys to organizations, and I don't understand how. How? How? I don't understand it. Eric Bieniemy. Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator. Where's his head coaching job? I don't get it. So now, the last job left is an awful job in Houston. I don't even want that for him. I hate that organization. I can't stand that organization. So nine times out of ten, Eric Bieniemy will go another year without being hired as a promoted to offensive co- uh, head coach. He'll be an offensive coordinator heading into next season. That organization is so bad. The Texans are talking about bringing in Josh McCown, who's on their active roster. He's on their roster. He's under contract. He he hasn't even retired. They're talking about bringing him for an interview for their head coach. You know what Josh McCowns? He's coached at the most. He's coached at the elite level of high school, high school football coach. Is in the same conversation as a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator. The opportunities, man, that are afforded to these white guys, that they continue to take away from way more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Experienced or qualified. Opportunities these average white coaches are afforded compared to more qualified black coaches is crazy to me. And look how, and you can even, not even just at the the head coaching positions, look at how these defensive, defensive, and offensive coordinator slots are getting filled. It's, it's whitewashed. It's not very colorful. It's not very colorful. I haven't really heard Anthony Lynn's name mentioned. In Seattle, I did. I would love to say I want. I don't know if I don't know if uh, the Pittsburgh has filled that position. I don't know. I thought it was open. I heard, but I would like to see Anthony Lynn go to Pittsburgh. Maybe get another shot as offensive coordinator, and hopefully, maybe get another shot as a head coach one day. But 
look how look just look how and look how easy it is. Adam Gase's name has been talked about. We talked about uh Jason Garrett. Kellen Moore was talked about for the Eagles. I don't understand. It's tiring. But it's not surprising. Now we're down to two black head coaches and four minority head coaches in total. There are 32 teams in the NFL. It's 2021. (sighs) Well... Let's see. Let's go to the baseball world. Let's now, now we're not talking about baseball. I'm not gonna put you guys to sleep. Wow, that was rude. I'm sorry. That wasn't that wasn't a nice thing to say. That wasn't nice. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> but um so let's let's let me read this article for you. So this was published uh was this a couple days ago on the nineteenth. So here's here's what happened with the Mets general manager. So here's here's how it reads. The New York Mets fired general manager Jared Porter on Tuesday, a day after ESPN reported that he sent explicit, unsolicited texts and images to a female reporter in 2016 while working with the Chicago Cubs in the, uh, excuse me, to a female reporter in 2016 while reporting for the Chicago Cubs in their front office. Owner Steve Cohen tweeted Tuesday that the Mets have terminated Jared Porter this morning, less than 12 hours after ESPN's Mina Kimes and Jeff Passan reported that Porter sent graphic, uninvited text messages and images to the reporter. In my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity, and I meant it, Cohen tweeted. There should be zero tolerance for this type of behavior. Behavior. Mets president Sandy Alderson, who hired Porter last month, confirmed Porter's firing in a statement. The New York Mets have terminated general manager Jared Porter effective immediately, Alderson said. Jared's actions, as reflected by events disclosed last night, failed to meet the Mets' standards for professionalism and personal conduct. Porter, 41, was hired as Mets GM on December 13th to work under Alderson and help lead new owners Cohen's new owner Cohen's front office during his introductory news conference Porter who signed a four-year contract with the Mets spoke about a cultural shift specifically adding good people to the organization improving uh, the original the organizational culture there's there's so much irony here like this is also ironic like you you guys bring him in because he's supposed to be a good guy he's supposed to you know become you know bring positivity to the organization and and make it a uh, you know bring a cultural shift and change the culture but he literally is doing the exact opposite first of all let me talk to the fellas real quick not real quick let me just fellas now i know the majority of my listeners i know we're all good men not good men like good guys who finish last. No, 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 no. Smart men like not dummies who know boundaries, know what boundaries are, and know what no means, and just have common sense. Gentlemen, under no circumstance should you be sending a young lady uh, unsolicited pictures, whether they're of your, your private parts, you, period. Don't do it. And don't send unwanted text messages. 
Just because you have a young woman's number does not mean that the door is open for you to be a creep or for you to be nasty. Not at all. We don't tolerate that. That's not okay. And what really, really bothers me is a lot of men don't get that. Not only do they not get that for themselves, they don't get that when they see situations like this. There were so many men under the different articles reporting on this on Twitter talking about, oh, it was five years ago. Does that matter now? He was with a different organization. Why would you fire him? Blah, 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 blah. I don't care if it was five years ago. I don't care if it was five minutes ago. It's nasty. It's gross. And I, I, I guarantee if they, if in my mind, Miss Alderson and Cohen, I, I, I think that they wouldn't have hired this gentleman had they known this prior to December thirteenth. I don't think he becomes the match GM if this article comes out before December thirteenth. So there would not have been a firing to discuss. I don't care how long ago it was. You can be nasty in 2016 and still be nasty in 2021. That's a fact. Being being a creep isn't cool. Never will be. And I don't understand how guys don't see that. Like, dog. This wasn't like... His girlfriend or his wife or somebody was mess. It was a reporter, so more than likely there were some professional, maybe a professional relationship, professional rapport between them. I'm speculating here, but even if there was, maybe if there was more to them than what I think. So what? So what? You don't get the right. You 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 do not have the right to send a woman unsolicited pictures of yourself. Never is that okay. You just drop your drop your junk off in her phone and think that's cool. No. Unsolicited text messages. You talking crazy in her messages. Unwarranted. Unwanted. That's gross. Women don't get turned on by that. It's a turn off. It's like, ew, get the hell away from me. And what kills me is some of you Maybe, you know, some of these guys either have daughters or sons or are going to. Do you want to raise your son to think that it's okay to just be a nasty, nasty kid? Send this junk out? What if your kid was sending unsolicited uh, private part pictures to girls? Unwarranted, unwanted. No. No. What if your daughter received a picture from a young man that she didn't want to see? She didn't ask for that. Unwanted text messages. You would feel terrible. You would be pretty pissed off. So to watch grown men on Twitter cape for this guy, he doesn't know you. He doesn't. It's gross. You're all creeps, bro. Stop. This firing was warranted. He should have been fired. He shouldn't be able to work for another organization again. He's nasty. 
And I'm, I, I, I commend the Mets for making swift action of it. Soon as the article came out, he's gone. There was no waiting. Dog, you got fired on your day off. That's tough. That's tough, nasty man. That's gross, bro. No, you, you don't do that. You just don't do that. That's just something we don't do. No. So I didn't understand the backlash. Like, I didn't, like, it's like, <laughs> you shouldn't be mad at the Mets for making it. You should be mad at him for being gross. I don't care. Once again, a lot of people were getting hung up on how long ago it was. But like I said, if this article came out prior to December 13th, we wouldn't be talking about a firing because the hiring would have never happened. Use your common sense. They brought him in. Listen to the words that they said, bro. They didn't bring him in for no reason. They thought this was a cool, a good guy that was going to bring us some, you know, integrity and change things around here. And it was just, it was just ironic that that's literally polar opposite of what he actually was doing out here and what he actually is. So, good job by the Mets. For making light work of that creeper and getting them the hell out of here. Yeah, I just I just thought that you know a lot of people didn't see that, and it kind of not got swept under the rug, but it was a smaller story this past week. So I just wanted to shed some light on it. I thought it was interesting. Definitely did. Uh, let's see what we at next. What we at next? Okay, some boxing news. Okay, so I was very excited when I saw this because I was just thinking about Clarissa Shields. The other day, I was like, damn, when's she fight again? Let's see. So, then, I look on Instagram, and I see, was it Instagram? No, 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 it was on Twitter. One of the boxing uh, outlets that I follow had tweeted it out. And then I did, you know, I went to Clarissa Shields' Instagram page, and she posted this. So, live on pay-per-view. March 5th at 9 p.m. at the Dort Financial Center in Flint, Michigan. This is a Friday. Uh, Clarissa Shields will be taking on... What is this woman's name? Uh, I, can't, I cannot pronounce her name. But we got two undefeated champions going at it for the one, you know, undisputed world title. They're going to be, um, you know, it's going to be great, man. So this is going to be Friday, March 5th uh, on Fight TV, all women's pay-per-view card. And I think it's going to be like 30 bucks. So you guys know how I get down. I don't I don't usually pay for my pay-per-view events, but I'll be paying for this one to support Cla- Clarissa Shields and the other ladies involved in this card. Because this is great, man. This is great. Once again, dummies on Twitter, man, talking about this shouldn't have been pay-per-view. What should be pay-per-view? There were a lot of fights that I've seen men involved in that shouldn't have been pay-per-view. Celebrity boxing is pay-per-view, but you guys still pay for it. You guys still watch it. So you're telling me that not just one of the best women boxers, but one of the best boxers, period, one of the most decorated boxers in the sport, period, shouldn't be on pay-per-view? But a YouTuber should? Hell out my face. Tired of that, bro. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the disrespect that these women go through. They are just as 
they should be just as much uh they should be held as high regard as the men from basketball to soccer to to softball to uh uh to tennis like these women are doing great things in their sport in the same sport that the men are in I don't understand. I still don't understand the disrespect. It's 2021. Get your little kitchen jokes out the way. We don't want to hear that. Bro, these women deserve pay-per-view. Because if if the the you know they're not going to get put on the men's pay-per-view cards, why not allow them to have their own? Rightfully so. So shout out to Fight TV for making this happen. You know, I I I I don't understand why. You know, a bunch of grown-ass men have a problem with this. I don't get it. I talked about Clarissa Shields last month and how she's underpaid, underappreciated in the sport, and how she's never been on a pay-per-view card before. And yes, thank God, here we are in 2021, this March, she will get that opportunity in her hometown of Flint, Michigan. Titles on the line, two undefeated champs. If they were men, we'd all be groveling over this. Two undefeated champs going to unify and become undisputed. They were men you guys will be salivating. But because it's women, it's a problem. Oh, this shouldn't be on pay-per-view. This should be free. Then they're joking about, oh, how low the pay-per-view buys are going to be. And that's why I'm going to be a part of that. This is history for me. I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to make sure I buy it. I won't be streaming that for free. I'm going to buy that fight. And I want to watch it. Definitely, man. You got to support it. Because if we don't, then we won't get another one like this. We won't see another pay-per-view fight whether it be Clar- uh, for women, whether it be Clarissa Shields or another woman in the sport or another up-and-coming woman in the sport after them. So I'm definitely excited to see this, man. I hope the women make... Great use of this opportunity and, 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 and really, you know, bring this one on home, man. I'm excited to see. Now, on the other side of things, we got Canelo Alvarez. He announced a two-fight deal via Eddie Hearn with Matchroom Boxing. So, his first fight of that deal will be taking place February February 27th uh, at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. So, and there will be fans. So, that's pretty cool. And he'll be taking on Avini. Hold on, give me one minute. Young man's name, Avini Yildirim. Yildirim, yeah, yeah. He's a Turkish boxer. He's twenty nine. He's twenty one and two. He's uh, he's fought Andre Durrell. That was his Anthony Durrell. Excuse me. That was his last fight in two thousand nineteen. He lost that fight. Uh, he's held the WBC Intercontinental. I mean, international super middleweight title. Uh, he's fought. He's fought Chris Eubank Jr. Lost to him, so his only losses are against Chris Eubank Jr. and Anthony De- Anthony Durrell. Now, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have problems with everything, but a lot of people have problems with this because they feel like uh, he's fighting a nobody, and and you know, he's he's picking and cherry picking his fights, blah blah blah. But my thing is, we should be happy that he's active. You know, that was a point in time where Canelo Alvarez wasn't going to be active because, you know, with legal trouble. And I'm just happy that the, the face of boxing is getting active because you look at this. His last fight, you know, his last fight was in uh, December. He just fought Kellum Smith. 
December 19th. Now he's fighting again in February, and he's planning to fight in May. Now, that fight in May, we're all assuming will be against Billy Joe Saunders, and that will be to further unify this uh, super middleweight division. So, he gets past Yodem in February. We're looking at a unification bout in May. Title fight. Big money. That's beautiful. That's three fights. You know, that's... One in twenty to end twenty twenty, one to start twenty twenty one, and then in the middle of twenty twenty one, and then if he wants to fight again next this this upcoming December, he probably could depending on what would happen in these two fights. But if that's not the case, then more than likely we'll be looking at an undisputed title bout to start off twenty twenty two because I think that the next fight after these two fights will be against the winner of. Caleb Truax or Caleb Plant, uh, Caleb Plant, and I would love to see him fight Caleb Plant because I, I, a lot of people think that he'll lose to Caleb Plant, and I just don't see that. So I'm definitely excited for che- uh, Canelo Alvarez, and I don't understand why everybody's saying he's cherry picking. He's not. He's fighting who, you know, who's in front of him. He's he's the champ. He's the king. You do whatever he wants. So I'm glad to see that he's getting deals done and making money and you know Matchroom is good they get business done so definitely happy for Canelo Alvarez and I can't wait to see him back in the ring. Um I think that's all I had for boxing. So let's let me make sure we can make we can advance to the main event of NFL Championship Sunday and I think we can. So Let's start off by saying congratulations to all four of these teams for making it this far, making it to the end of January. Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Green Bay Packers for making it to NFL Championship Sunday. We're down to the final four, two games left, two teams can advance, and there's only one Super Bowl to play in in February. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. To championship weekend Both rematches of week 6 games I thought that was very interesting The Bills and Chiefs played week 6 And the Buccaneers and Packers played week 6 And in those games the Bucks were winners And the Chiefs were winners So we're going to go back Before we can get to how we got here We have to go back to week 6 And look at The games that were played Back then So let's start off with the Bucks and the Packers Now we all know that the Packers got smacked Week 6 against the Buccaneers down there in Tampa Bay. And that was Aaron Rodgers' worst game of the season. So let's look at that. So week 6, the Packers lost to the Bucks, 38-10. to Tom Brady went 17 for 27, 166 yards, two touchdowns. Ronald Jones, 23 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Gronk led the uh, five receptions, 78 yards, one touchdown. Aaron Rodgers went a measly 16 for 35, 160 yards, two interceptions. Uh, all running backs were held to under 35 yards and receivers they did next to nothing. So, the Bucks scored 28 unanswered points in the second quarter. The Packers were up 10-0 in the first quarter and then they turned the ball over and then that's when things started to unravel because that that game started off pretty well for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was dotting up that zone that the Bucks were playing. He was dotting them up until he wasn't. You know, so yeah, that's how fast things can change, and that's how you know this defense can definitely affect the game and change the momentum in the game. Now, I will say, this was Tay's first game back 
from injury. And, you know, the team looked exactly the way Tate looked when he came back from injury last year and Green Bay got smoked by the Chargers. They were trying to force feed him, try to force feed him the ball, and the offense was out of sync. They never had any real rhythm. So I'm not saying that's why they lost, but I'm saying that's a big part of why the offense looked the way it looked. Now, this was week six. It's a long time ago. A lot of football has been played since then. And these two teams are different now. So let's let's see. Let's talk about the game tomorrow. First of all, let's talk about Rodgers versus Brady for. You know, Rodgers can tie their all-time head-to-head record. It's the fourth time these two have played each other. Rodgers has to, you know, he has to outduel him and stop him. And he has to stop this old man from going to the Super Bowl in both the AFC and the NFC. I'm not going to hear the end of it. Skip Bayless, um, my friends. I'm not going to hear the end of it. Everybody, the media, all everybody's just going to be talking about how Tom Brady's the goal, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I can't, I cannot bring myself to hear that. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. And I'm just, nobody wants to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl again. Unless you're like some Tom Brady fanboy. Nobody wants to see that. We've seen it already so many times it's just it's old he's old i'm good i don't want to see that again i'm cool off that so he has to stop him um you know i think the pressure is on for both you know rogers he knows his window with green bay is is closing he knows that he he knew that last season he knows you know this team is going to have many more chances with him as the quarterback to get, you know, so he gets to exercise those NFC title demons by finally hosting an NFC title game. Then you look at Brady, you know, Brady's on a mission to show the world that he didn't need Bill and there's no excuses now that he has, you know, one of the best rosters that he's ever had. So there's no excuses for him. So, you know, the pressure is equal, equally on both of these gentlemen. Now let's look at the Packers defense. It's the first time as a Packers fan. I'm sorry, you know, I'm speaking as a Packers fan, but I'm not worried about the defense. This is the first time I can genuinely say I am not worried about what our defense is going to do tomorrow. Since the last time these two played each other in week six, the Packers have only allowed three 100-yard rushers. Week 12, David Montgomery had 11 carries for 103 yards, and week 17, he had 22 for 69. They held Derrick Henry to 98 yards, then he went for 250 the week after. This defense has been playing very well in the back half of the season, and especially in stopping the run. You know, they stop the run, hit Brady in his mouth, and just don't give up any big plays. You know, there's no A.B. tomorrow. You got Mike Evans, you got Godwin, you got Scotty Miller, you got Gronk. You know what you're going up against. You do. You know You know who to take out of the game. Uh, you look at the, Now you look at the Bucks defense. You know, they fly to the ball. They're very aggressive. Todd Bowles and that defense, they are very good. They're a very good team. You know, Devin White's a problem. You got Sue on the line. Uh, they get Vita Vea back. This team can they can they can get to the quarterback. They can, uh, and you know they made Rodgers play his worst game. And last weekend we saw them put Drew Brees just terrorize Drew Brees last weekend. So this this Bucks defense is serious. But on the flip side of that, look at the Packers offensive line. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been getting touched. He hasn't been getting touched. And they just beat the number one defense. Aaron, Aaron Donald didn't do a damn thing. So I don't think they're losing sleep over Ndamukong Sue, Vita Vea, and everybody else on that Buccaneers front seven. I think that this Packers offensive line is riding high. Billy Turner's playing out of his mind. Uh, Elton Jenkins. Like, everybody's stepping up for the loss of David Bakhtiari. 
So I'm very impressed with them. I'm not worried about them at all. Now the Bucks offense. Let's talk about the Bucks offense and the Bucks as a whole. Now in the regular season, I know the regular season's over. And and it's a new season now. But let's just think about this for a minute. They're 0-3 against playoff teams after they went over Green Bay. You know, they avenged their, their Saints L from the regular season. But let's talk about that game. Last week, all their top wide receivers, A.B., Mike Evans, they all had one reception outside of Godwin. One reception. That's interesting to me. I don't know why, but it is. And that's against a Saints secondary that's fried. So... Yeah, I don't know, but to pick a winner, you already know who I'm going with, man. I'm going with the Packers. I'm going with the Packers. I, I don't think it's going to be that much of a close game. It's going to be close, but not that close. I think the Packers can win it by two possessions. I think they can win it like like 30, maybe maybe I'll say 35-24, like to 24, something like that. Something like that. It's going to be a good game, though. It's definitely going to be a good one. I'm going to enjoy this one. Go Pack Go, man. Tomorrow at 3.05. Now let's go to the AFC Championship game. And I'm going to get you guys out of here. It's Saturday. So the Chiefs and Bills, they played each other week six. And the Chiefs won that game 26-17. to Now this was a good game. I remember this game. Pat Mahomes went 21 for 26, 225 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, uh, Cedric Allaire, he went 26, for, 26 carries, 161 yards. Robinson, five receptions, 69 yards. And on the flip side of that, Josh Allen, 14 for 27, 122 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Now, Allen also led the team in rushing with eight carries, 42 yards. Stephon Diggs, six receptions, 46 yards, one touchdown. Now, this game, Allen was the leading rusher. That's a problem. That's a problem. They can't have that tomorrow. They're going to have to try to run the ball. And it's going to be open. The Chiefs do leave running lanes open. We watched how Nick Chubb was successful last weekend. So they're going to have to run the ball tomorrow in order to stay in this game. I don't think that Josh Allen, which, I mean, I think he can go blow for blow with uh, Pat Mahomes. But I don't think that they want to put all of that pressure on him tomorrow they have to alleviate some of that pressure and try to get the run game going because he's going to also have to be using his legs so you don't want to have to have him try to outdo pat mahomes in the afc title game and kc i don't think that's what you want now staying in this game from week six ch he was playing for his life this was the first game that he played after the bell signing now he's a little banged up it's different. I don't think he's going to put up 122 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, yeah, I mean, not, I mean, excuse me, 161 yards on the Bills tomorrow. I just don't see that. Now, the Bills defense, they couldn't get off the field when it was a one-possession game, and they gave up a field goal. They ended up putting the game out of reach. They're going to have to step up tomorrow. They're definitely going to have to step up tomorrow. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to close the gap and, and, and keep Pat Mahomes off the field as long as they can. Now, when you say that, you look at the offense, they have to put up points. No field goals. You got to score touchdowns every time you get the ball. Because we know that the Chiefs can play from behind, and we know what type of offense they are. They're an explosive offense, so they can score anytime they want. I don't care if Pat Mahomes is woozy. I don't care if he got four toes out there tomorrow. He's going to be Pat Mahomes, and it's going to be a good game. But I'm riding with the Bills. Now, I know my Super Bowl preseason pick was the Pack. And the Chiefs, I said this, it was going to be the State Farm Bowl, but I've had a change of heart. Matter of fact, no, I'm lying. 
I'm lying. I'm picking the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs. It's going to be Packers Chiefs Super Bowl. I've been calling it all year. So, yeah, that's how I'm rolling. And that's all I got for you, man. So, I'll be back. So, that's all I have for you guys today, man. So, hopefully, Wednesday, I'll be back here for episode 126, celebrating a Packers win. But that's all I have for you guys today. So, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me on all social medias, man. Continue to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you guys for the support, love, everything like that. So, that's all I have for you guys for the week. Once again, I'll be back on Wednesday. So, for the 125th time, I'm Eric Lyons. And you have just been electrified.